I think like the classroom thing was just something that I never really enjoyed learning from. I always like to just like, I don't know, try things and kind of learn from the consequences of making bad decisions from the business standpoint, which when you start from when you're 12 or 13, there are many bad decisions. Uh, one of which could be signing with an agency when I was 12, signing a 60-40 split on my revenue. And I had no idea <laughs> for multiple years. And that's all stuff that you, that you kind of learn from. Hello, and welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. That clip you just heard was Justin Say. Justin is an internet entrepreneur and online content creator in the tech, lifestyle, and travel industry. He started his first business at the age of 13 and has since grown his channel to over half a million subscribers and over 50 million views worldwide. You can tell that Justin's work habits and strong motivation to stay competitive in the tech industry definitely shows in his extremely well-produced video content. In today's episode, we talk about how he dropped out of university, the tech and digital industry, from how he makes money to developing partnerships with top companies such as Dyson, Google, and Land Rover, and how he has yet to learn how to balance work in his personal life. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm here with Justin Say. We actually met while we were in the same business program in our third year of university before Justin decided to pursue his online career. His story shows that for some people, post-secondary education isn't necessary to succeed, and it doesn't matter how old you are, your entrepreneurship journey can start at any age. I'm really excited to chat with him about not only the opportunities, but also the real challenges that young people face in the digital and influencer industry. So Justin, do you mind sharing briefly how you got started into content creation? Uh, yeah, so when I first started, it was around probably, I think, 2010. Um, and at the time, I wasn't really into tech. Uh, when I grew up, I wasn't that like interested in it. Um, I think, for the most part, I, I did do some stuff that were like art-related, like drawing and stuff. Um, but at the time, hockey was kind of what I was just like completely obsessed with. But I think uh, when you're young, you start to find like products you hear about them and eventually at some point like the ipod touch was a product that a lot of people my age had been talking about um so i took about a year and a half to save up for it i think and in between that i would watch like youtube videos about like what accessories to buy what apps you should download and just demonstrations of it and i think the biggest thing i noticed was people were getting free products um to make a video of uh at the time the whole like sponsorship thing didn't really exist uh it kind of developed later on i think as soon as i got the ipod the whole kind of business plan was to start a YouTube channel to try to pay it off, uh, either to break even or to eventually turn it into a business and also grow a large following and email as many companies as possible to see which one would send me stuff. It's changed a lot over the years. I think when I first started, it was filming on and using the product that I had, the iPod Touch, to film all the videos. And that was kind of the way it was for the first, I'd say, three to 400 videos. And eventually, uh, as you get more into the tech industry, when you're young, you have a lot of free time. So you research topics, you look at what's coming out, and you kind of keep on with it. Over the years, it's it's changed a lot. You review phones, you review laptops, you review uh, general tech products. We started doing home videos as well, and I think um, I've just tried to keep the channel based on stuff that I'm that I'm interested in. I think there's a lot of things that I like outside of tech, and there's also a lot of people who are making tech videos and are maybe even more knowledgeable in that space. So I think by differentiating and um, covering different topics that you're interested in is how you kind of survive in the industry for 
a large period of time and also develop the business side with it as it changes. Mm-hmm. And when did your channel, what was that moment that what your channel kind of took off? Uh, I think, so I'd say the first few years hitting a thousand subscribers or, and even 2000 was pretty tough. I mean, channels at the time were not huge. Uh, the largest ones were a couple hundred thousand. There weren't many people who had hit a million. And I also didn't really watch any creators outside of the tech space. So someone with 30,000 subscribers, I would look at that and be like, and that would kind of be like the benchmark for the industry. We started getting products from companies at around 2000 subscribers, but then eventually you hit 10 and 20 and it all feels very big and you start to like celebrate each each level uh 30 50 and i think 100 was a point where i felt like it was it had it had reached um, a number that i never expected to and i think that was right around 2014 when you first start out you don't really have access to many products like stuff's expensive i was like 12 or 13 and i'd probably was losing money doing youtube uh, i used to have like shipping companies just leave the stuff at the back of my parents house so my mom couldn't see it because she thought i was like wasting money on stuff um, and i didn't really tell her about how this whole like industry worked because at the time there's nothing to prove so around 2014 i think is when i decided to spend all the money i had on a phone uh it was a samsung galaxy s4 and um i think i decided to compare it to like the iphone at the time and in order to pay off the phone as a small channel you had to make a lot of videos and just hope one of them would do well i think i made about 24 videos like covering every little feature i'd do a separate video for the front camera the back camera the speakers the gaming and stuff and uh ended up comparing the phones as well so for i'd say about a month after the phone came out it was like nine to 10 hours of editing a day, like just filming, editing, editing at lunchtime, uh, doing the thumbnails at school, uploading in class. Um, and it ended up hitting about 4 million views. I think at the time the AdSense money, uh, must have been in the tens of thousands. Um, and I think that's when I really realized the potential of being able to earn your money back on products that you're either getting for free or investing to purchase. Um, and from there, I think the channel got a big boost from it towards the end of 2014 is when the channel hit a hundred thousand subscribers. I think if you like, if you look at the channel's trend over the years, it's never, it's never had like a giant spike. It's been kind of a consistent trend, which is good and bad. I think, um, we're very lucky to still be in the industry and being able to do all these things and continue to grow. But at the same time, there are obviously channels that grow significantly faster. And how do partnerships work with your um, channel? I know you've partnered with a bunch of really great brands, but how does that work? Um, Do they reach out to you at this point or do you reach out to them now? Yeah. So um, in the beginning, it was kind of uh, every Sunday I would sit down and go through uh, what other videos I've seen, um, go to publications and just take a look at what products were floating around the market. And a lot of times when you see somebody else get a free product, you know that that is something that you're able to kind of contact and and get as well. I think we started doing sponsorships around 2015, I believe. Uh, so that would have been around first year university. So all the time in class actually was where I would spend time communicating and getting the emails out, replying to all of them. Nowadays, for the most part, all the stuff that is worthwhile is stuff that we um, where the company is ready to spend. They have something in mind. They have like something that they want you to do or a project coming up, and they'll contact you for that. That's where we kind of bring in the business team. Uh, we recently hired an agent to kind of work on that as well. Uh, just because I think with YouTube, there's so many things you have to you have to manage as a business owner. Uh, a lot of times people think it's just like making videos, but you have the accounting side, you have the staffing side, you have the equipment to figure out and where you want to invest in your company. You have the communications and then you also have the, um, the process of filming, planning and editing the whole video as well. Nowadays, most of it is is companies reaching out, but occasionally, if we have a project in mind that may be a little bit outside of our 
our realm that we're used to, um, then we'll communicate in, in that aspect. We'll reach out to the press teams and uh, try to put together a pitch. Uh, a recent example of that could be the condo renovation last year. Um, the initial series when I first bought the place was, I think, it was unrenovated, and um, I just decided to film whatever I had to see what products we could pull. And it ended up doing about, I think, 2.2 million views. So about a year and a half, two years later, when I was ready to do the renovation process, we took the statistics and brought it over to like companies like Rove Concepts of Furniture, as well as like the countertop company, uh, hardware company, a kitchen company, and all that, and just showed them the data. Um, some products were getting 20,000 clicks, 10,000 clicks, and just kind of told them, uh, would you guys like to provide the product or would you like to sponsor the series? There's data to back it up that people were engaging with it and stuff like that. So it is kind of a case-by-case -case basis, um, depending on the industry. But I think in the tech aspect, nowadays, most of it is, uh, is companies reaching out. And are all your videos sponsored? Uh, it depends on the time of year. I think um, majority of them last year did have some sort of sponsorship. There's two type. There's multiple types of sponsorships. There's a de dedicated videos where the whole video is um, a product that you've been sponsored to check out, and there's also others where you sell a 30 second slot. That's where you give like a shout out to like a service, say like Audible. Um, we also did one for like TVs as well. It kind of changes a lot. Uh, there's also the travel stuff where you uh, kind of just go on the trip and you post on Instagram, and that's like another form of sponsorship. There's also commission um, where you post a, post about a product or even like even a product that you're paid to promote, where you also get a cut anywhere from seven percent to thirty percent, twenty percent based on every sale you're able to convert. So I think the revenue structure has changed. I know some industry are more affiliate based, whereas others are more flat rate. The tech space at least is more flat rate reliant. But I would say for the most part, do try to have at least a integration sponsor or a or a headline. Yeah. And where does your income mostly come from? Is it from YouTube, Instagram, sponsorships, ads? So I think YouTube is the right now is um, probably the lowest area. And it's been like that for the for many years now. I think um, the views and stuff like the AdSense and the way that works, it's calculated on a CPM basis. So when advertisers are in a season where they're spending a lot, where, for example, we'd be like back to school or in the holiday season for tech, the rate is higher. So every thousand views you make anywhere from at the most maybe even $10. Uh, whereas as soon as January rolls around, the spending around the industry, and especially right now, is much lower. That's where you're going to see a CPM of maybe $1 to $2 per thousand views. Um, so I'd say about 95% of our revenue does come from sponsorships, um, the companies that we work with. Uh, Instagram, a lot of times, is bundled into um, to YouTube as well in terms of brand deals. Uh, but in the past few years, I've noticed our Instagram has been a big revenue generator. Um, and I think that YouTube has helped a lot. A lot of times you might look at like an Instagram following, say 100,000 or 200,000 followers, and the creators are not able to charge as much as perhaps uh, in our scenario, a page with 75,000 followers, but also 500,000 on YouTube. But we found that our rates have been much higher. So they kind of they kind of all complement each other. And I think tech especially doesn't seem to focus as much about Instagram and like the lifestyle side as much as um, as we've tried to integrate like fashion, lifestyle and travel. But I think what a lot of people don't know is I, I honestly hate posting Instagram photos. Like I, I don't like being in photos. I It's sort of just like I like fashion. I like kind of just like creating stuff in terms of like being in photos 
and being in videos, it's probably my least favorite part of the job. And you keep saying we, so how big is your team? Uh, so right now it's one full time. Um, and we also have uh, one part time that is in Italy. He's a graphic designer. Um, so yeah, at the time, at the moment, we've tried to keep the team as small as possible. Uh, I just keep referring to it as we, uh, as we, because um, it did incorporate into a media company about a month after I dropped out. But at the moment, yeah, the team is about one. Uh, we are hoping to increase that to two, potentially three, depending on the amount of space uh, we have and when that is going to be set up. Yeah. And you, when you started, you were really passionate about tech. What about now when, you, when you're when you making videos? Is it still something you're super passionate about? Or um, have you found that you're finding new things that you're more interested in? I think um, when I first started, I was definitely far more interested and, um, and invested in it. You would try to read up on every little thing and every little detail. But I think as you spend more time in the industry, you check out hundreds or even thousands of products and a lot of which are very, very similar and they're coming out at a very frequent rate. I would say I still like tech and um, and I still like to, to talk about it, but the appreciation for each individual item definitely isn't as, it, it isn't the same as what it was in 2014 where we might've reviewed one phone a year, whereas at peak we're reviewing 30 to 40 phones a year. Uh, it just, you kind of have to move through each item a little bit faster and you don't have as much time to enjoy or learn about it. But I think outside of tech, I love doing like renovations, home design and and stuff like that. I also love the business side a lot. I think a lot of uh, our YouTube has been focused on kind of the business side and our approach towards it, that the creative side is something that I may have not spent as much time on in the past few years. And now it's time to kind of reverse engineer that and improve our production quality while we're not traveling as much. And like the travel side is also something that I I never thought would be a part of the the business. Um, I mean, a lot of times people in tech are known to be ones that like just sit at home all day. Um, But I think as soon as I dropped out, I would have never imagined that in a year we would have flown a hundred times to attend like all these events, like all the way around the world, like going to Switzerland twice, Japan, Italy. And you you don't really expect that when you first start in 2010. Um, So I think we tried to add more of the travel aspect as well, uh, just to, just to make it exciting uh, as a content creator, as opposed to just reviewing phones. So yeah, it's no secret that you left university because the opportunity cost (laughs) in school was taken away from the growth of your business. So was that a hard decision for you? Did your parents support you with that decision? Honestly, I never wanted to go to university at all. <laughs> Why did you go? Uh, parents made me. So they're, they're, they're Asian and both of them went to university. My dad's a doctor um, and he was in school till he was 33. So obviously their, their path, ideal path was um, no matter how much money you would be able to make um, out of high school, you're going to go to university kind of thing. And then eventually the industry will still be there and you can kind of chase that. But in high school, my grades were never good. I had like a C minus in math and, and just like didn't really put any effort into it. Similar to what happened with the university. It was always just kind of getting by. Uh, I think like the classroom thing was just something that I never really enjoyed learning from. I always liked to just like, I don't know, try things and, and, and do it and kind of learn from the consequences of making bad decisions from the business standpoint, which when you start from when you're 12 or 13, there are many bad decisions. Uh, one of which could be signing with an agency when I was 12, signing a 60-40 split on my revenue. And I had no idea <laughs> for multiple years. And that's all stuff that you kind of that you kind of learn from. I mean, leaving was not really a, a hard decision. Um, it was the whole time I was there, I was trying to convince my parents to to let me leave. And each year the revenues were were doubling, but I still felt like we were not anywhere near the potential that it was able to reach if I was able to fully commit to it. Because um, I went straight from high school to university. So there was never a chance to, to do YouTube full time. But it was after uh, third year, I, I, I didn't plan to go on exchange. I didn't apply for it or anything. Um, so I was 
the original plan was to go straight from third year into fourth year. So I went to fourth year for a week. Uh, it was entrepreneurship and I, I hated it. <laughs> so I just went back and kind of continued the discussion with them. I ended up going back for one more day before the, before the deadline to decide just to see if, see if I want if maybe I wanted to just like try to finish it off after about like 20 minutes. I think I just left and didn't go back. Fair enough. Do you find that that was like the best decision you've ever made? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I think they still want me to go back and, um, and, and get the degree, but I think when I, when I made the decision to drop out and then when I was finally given the option from them to, to make that decision myself, I think the biggest part of it was they wanted to know what the plan was. I think they knew like the company was able to, to generate good revenue. And I've proven in the past that I was able to do both at the same time, but I think I had to really convince them that the time that I spent not in school um, and fully focus on this would be used effectively. And I think looking back at it about a year later, a year and a half later now, it's essentially gone in every way better than what I could have promised them. I didn't want to make any like crazy promises or anything, but I think the first two weeks after dropping out, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, it was kind of just like sitting around the house and cause you're not used to having that much freedom. Like you always know you have to go back to school in two weeks or one week and, and that type of thing. I think the other opportunity cost was travel. The program doesn't really let you leave. And there was a scenario where I had to go to Vegas and, and complete a campaign that was paying about five figures a day. Um, and I was told to come back for an orientation. There was no option to really, I don't know, learn, have a meeting afterwards and, and learn about what I may have missed out on the orientation. And I ended up having to come back and sending somebody else to go and taking care of it remotely. So that was like, there was just a few things that caused an overall distraction um, in the whole thing. And and yeah, we live in a society that praises the hustle and grind culture. How do you find balance between finding time to yourself and self-care and with your work? Because I know that you mentioned that your studio is actually at your apartment. I'd say I'm probably the worst person to ask in terms of balance and lifestyle. I think since the day I started, it's it's been every second of free time has been spent just focusing on this. I think it's such a competitive industry. And I know people always talk about like comparing yourselves with others in the industry. And it, it's hard not to. You always want to be the best at what you do. You want to set yourself on a path to one day be at the top of the industry. And of course, uh, whenever things are going well, at least in my case, I never stop to really appreciate it or celebrate it because I know you have to fight just as hard to continue growing. You never know what's going to what's going to come next. And um, I think by constantly creating and staying very consistent, you open up a lot of opportunities for yourself. Um, and I mean, right now, uh, I'm 22. So I feel like it's it's still a good time to because I've been I, I've obviously worked hard for it. But because I'm in a position where we have a lot of opportunities that we can take advantage of and we built up all these resources even when things are going well I, I still feel like all the time should be spent back into uh, continuing to try to build and push this as far as it can go in terms of like work-life balance like I mean watching hockey is about as close as I can get to work-life balance um, travel wise a lot of people are may see on Instagram like that it's, it looks like a vacation but in reality what a lot of people don't know is I was in Paris for 36 hours and I flew like 40 hours to get there um, because I had to come back and finish another campaign and then fly out again the week after like there just wasn't any gap to stay for any longer on certain trips just because you might have to be going to somewhere else the day after um even in university there was a few situations where i went straight from the airport to class so i showed up with nothing i don't know if you noticed that but there's yeah there's a there's classes where i just like literally showed up like 15 minutes late and had nothing and it was because may have missed like a flight got canceled or delayed um and it was essentially drive straight from the airport uh straight to class so I think, yeah, like at least in the tech industry, the travel side is definitely not as I'd say, I mean, it's still fun. Uh, depends on how you, how you appreciate it, but 
it's not as much of a vacation as it might look. Yeah, I think sleep is like honestly all, all I want in the morning is just like a coffee in the morning and then and then one day a week where you can get like good sleep. You could sleep in and just like recharge and the next thing you know, the next six days, like all weekends we're usually um editing the entire time. And then weekdays obviously uh, Trevor comes in full time and we uh have the communications and emails. But the thing is like, yeah, there's there's so many emails and like your agent wants to have a call. He's he might call at any time of the day that I feel like the weekend is also a very productive time because you don't really get bothered by anything. It's like the, everything else in the industry kind of stops that I feel like it's a good time to get ahead a little bit. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally understand just like the go, go, go lifestyle. I totally feel like I can yeah. always be doing something, but aren't you worried about burning out at such a young age? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I burned out a few times, like, I, but I think each time it's, you take a few days off. And I think, I feel like this, the opinion I'm, I'm about to give is, is not a very popular opinion, but I feel like when you're burnt out or you're not feeling very happy, the best thing you could do is continue working because um, <laughs> once you kind of get over the slump, the mental slump, at least you still have something to show for it. You're still pushing towards something. You don't lose your stride. And I feel like by taking long breaks or kind of getting off stride, it, it makes it even harder to get back on your game because because you have to kind of find where you left off again. Um, and you feel like you may have wasted time or missed off in time. So I don't know. It's uh, I know like past employees have, have told me like we, we need to have like a better like positive outlook on the future and and um, and also take breaks and stuff. But I haven't I haven't really been able to find the the value in taking uh, taking a long break yet because I think when you're on your break, everybody else is still working and you, and you'll look at what they're doing and you realize you're, you're left and you left yourself in a bigger hole once you've left. Do you find it difficult managing and working for people who might be older than you, or are you also working with friends? Do you find that difficult managing people? I think it depends. Um, I think at, at my age right now, we are considered quite young in the industry by about a decade. I think the average age, uh, most of the time for all these events, like uh, Google and Sony and everybody else is in their 30s. Um, and when we went on the car trips, some people were in their 80s. So usually like when there's a kid walking around the industry, uh, in some spaces, I know they look at it as like inexperience or just like wondering why you're there kind of thing. But I feel like the tech industry can see that like as like young creators, we're trying to add like a creative touch to the space. Um, but obviously there are boundaries you have to respect. Um, the integrity of the industry embargoes and stuff. So I feel like because I started when I was 12 or 13, and thankfully I didn't do anything um, extremely dumb at any point with dealing with companies and the communication side of things, we played it relatively safe. The trust has been built up over the years to the point where companies don't really feel any hesitation in giving us products before they come out and signing the contract that we're not going to discuss it or we're not going to leak it or anything. But there are definitely certain spaces where you do feel like there is an age barrier. I think cars specifically is more of an older generation yeah. And when you finish a project, do you ever take the moment to celebrate or to be proud of what you've done or you're already thinking of the next thing? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's um, the previous employee I had. I think the biggest the biggest thing um, was he came from uh, more of like a regular job, uh, just working at a coffee shop. Whereas uh, when he joined, it was right when I dropped out and I didn't really know what to expect or what to prepare for in terms of the workload and how things would move. And next thing you know, it's 100 flights a year. Um, and we would do like a travel film and try to make it nice and something we can appreciate but the thing is the travel films took two weeks to make a regular video took two to four days to make with deadlines and sometimes if you don't meet, meet the deadline you forfeit one percent of your of your contract each day that it's late as soon as these videos were done and we and it might have been one that we like more than the other we were essentially filming the next video like five to ten minutes later or if anything while it's exporting we'd be setting up the next video it's it's a different space i think in movies and in filmmaking people take the time to appreciate what they've created they're proud of it whereas in youtube a lot of times your worst video is the one that 
performs the best and is most advertisable. It's, it's a, it's a different game. I think the filmmaking side is more of a personal thing. Like you want to be satisfied with your quality. You want to produce stuff that you feel like is industry standard or industry leading. I can't remember the last time we kind of celebrated a deal. It was sort of just, let's get this done and, and uh, maybe we can reinvest and allow for more resources to come in, um, such as buying more equipment and, um, Honestly, like, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, on, on like a work trip, we'll go to any restaurant we want and, and expense that I always cover, cover that side of things. Um, but there's no like specific, like, let's go out for dinner kind of thing while we're in Victoria, at least. And what's been some of your favorite projects that you've worked on or some of the coolest partnerships you've had? I'm trying to think a lot of them kind of like come and go that it's hard to remember which ones. I think Dyson was pretty cool. Um, and also having like the opportunity to, to go to Formula E um, years ago, like it was a, that one was actually a weird one. It was in 2018, I believe. And um, I had this idea to do like a road trip with a car. Um, and I emailed like BMW and Land Rover and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Land Rover, obviously, they didn't want to lend me a $100,000 car to drive a thousand kilometers. So they were like, we have Formula E coming up next week. Do you want to come to that? And I was, I think at the time, I didn't know anything about it. Just kind of went there. Uh, and um, we get there and there's only five people in Canada that have been invited. And next thing you know, you got like, there's like the VIP pass and the whole experience of it was crazy. Like I'd never seen anything like that in the car industry because it's just, an, it's a very different approach to influencer travel compared to tech. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. And at the time, I, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as now. Yeah, that's really cool. What are your goals, your next personal goals for the next maybe like five years? Where do you see your business? It's hard to say. I think if I look back at five years ago, it would have been coming out of university. So right around university at the time, it was to build it into a six-figure business. And then at about uh, 2018, I think is when it, 2018 to 2019 is when it started to hit seven. I think the goal now is to, to sustain that. If we look at like the, the past years and how the company has grown, it has grown over the years, but it's also been in a bull market. The market it's all like it has been on the uprise since I started YouTube. It was post recession. Um, so now I think is when we're really going to be tested on just how sustainable this business plan is um, with the economy right now. I think the goal now, uh, at least looking at the next year, is to expand the team, uh, to expand into a podcast as well as a website, and also be more consistent with the Instagram lifestyle side of things. And I also bought into a clothing brand last year based out of Victoria uh, that did have some delays just due to packaging in China. So that's uh, that's kind of like a passion project in terms of revenue it's not anywhere near where it needs to be yet but those are things that we kind of want to branch off and utilize the resources of the media company and the production equipment and and expertise to expand different businesses outside of just the tech and youtube space but youtube at the end of the day is still the main focus uh the focus is also to obviously get the space locked in um and renovate that before we have to travel again i think looking at five years is just a move out of victoria Uh, i honestly never really liked it here because I grew up here. I, I find it pretty boring and kind of limiting in a lot of ways. But because we're on online business, there isn't really any harm in, in working out here. And because property here is more reasonably priced than Vancouver, I think for now it makes sense just to stay here and then eventually maybe shift over to Vancouver just to have like a central hub. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are starting to vlog their life. Have you ever thought of doing that? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I think like, I think being like personal and showing more personality in different ways is, is important. Like the podcast is an example where I think people get different insight compared to the videos because you can't post a 45 minute video on YouTube unless you're like Shane Dawson and people will watch it all the way. So I feel like, I mean, daily vlogging is cool, but I've never really liked the aspect of filming your entire life. I mean, I am on social all the time, but I do feel like I I try to keep pretty private. Yeah. And as an influencer, you must get sent so many different packages. So what do you do with those, especially the ones that you don't use? 
Uh, we either give them away or sell them. Um, I think in the past, I used to take every item that came. And nowadays, we don't want any items outside of what we've asked for, just because I think last year was about 400 packages. Uh, oh and I ship most of them to my mom's house just because she's home all day. She's not too happy about that. But I think uh, it sounds ungrateful sometimes, but it gets kind of boring after like the 20th phone shows up in the same month. Sometimes like, you don't you don't have time to cover it. It's not something that is in your in your content schedule. And perhaps you have a sponsorship commitment that you have to finish up or this and that. Uh, it does get a little bit overwhelming. And I think back in the day, the business plan was just selling products. Uh, all the money for the channel and all the money to spend on equipment was just from selling items that we got. And nowadays, it's almost not worth the time for the most part. Um, the product space is still probably about six figures of revenue a year. So it is still an important part. But in terms of the amount of time spent in between of like going to ship the items and sorting out with customers and everything, it doesn't really grow the brand in any way aside from the revenues. Uh, the it takes away from time that you spend on long-term growth, on like production quality, learning new skills, and and um, and just ensuring everybody on the team's on the same page and starting product lines. Have you ever dealt with failure? And if you did, how did you deal with it? Yeah, it's every, a lot of scenarios could probably be considered a, a failure. Um, in terms of dealing with it, you kind of just have to just learn from it. I don't really get disappointed by failure. I think if anything, a lot of times when you identify the problems and what's led to the downfall, as a business owner, you have you have to kind of look at it and, and realize that, that you kind of deserved it for what happened. Whenever you, I think like a lot of times people kind of, they fail to identify it early enough. And I think if, if you talk to anybody who's worked for me in the past, if anything, the worst trait is I'm not as optimistic as we need to be uh, or as because I think a lot of times when people are working with somebody, um, the person who, who runs, who owns a business is the one that's supposed to kind of drive optimism in the company. Um, and in a lot of ways, whenever we um, make a video or have a new idea, I always try to look at it as the worst case scenario. Like, what if this is the way it turns out? Just so we're, we're not like surprised by the disappointment. Um, obviously, there are still videos where we think we'll do very well and they tank. There's not a huge problem with that. You're kind of like, oh, like that's a shame. I spent a lot of time and money on it. And, whereas a video I filmed in an hour ends up doing 10 times better than that. Um, but I think it's just the way the industry works. And if you're not able to adapt and adjust and you're not able to criticize your work when you need to, that's when you start to get phased out of the space over the long term. And just a last question, just to wrap things up, do you have any advice for someone who is wanting to start their own business? Someone who that maybe doesn't want to go to university? The way I looked at university was in this industry in four years, when I looked at how much it is it has changed, I looked at the four years that would have been spent in university as as a lot of learning and growth in the real world that I would have been missing out on. And especially in that last year and a half when stuff was like kind of changing so quickly. I think the biggest advice I've been giving over the years has just been you have to kind of you have to do it. I think a lot of times people find excuses like lack of resources and, and obviously lack of money is a big thing when you're first starting. And I think that's the advantage of starting extremely young. Uh, when I was 12 or 13, I'm living in my parents' house. And, um, and the way I started my business is because my parents weren't willing to buy me anything. They kind of just wanted me to go and figure it out myself. They'll cover food and education. Um, but everything else that I wanted, I had to kind of figure out my own way to do. It. And I think that taught a lot. But I think consistency is the biggest thing. Um, and it's easier said than done. Like even now with my clothing company, a lot of the times uh, we always think we need this and this to be able to start doing this. And obviously, like over the years, as you develop resources, you can have those excuses where you feel like you don't want to create something unless it meets a standard or unless you have this certain resource. But I think especially when you're first starting, you have to kind of just constantly create and eventually you'll find that find that streak. And that was Justin Say. 
Yes, his lifestyle may not be everyone's cup of tea. It may be too intense for some people, but as we all know, everyone operates differently. At only 22 years old, he has built quite a successful business, and he's constantly evolving and growing as a young entrepreneur. Make sure to check out his tech reviews and videography at Justin Say on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you can. Thanks for listening.